The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cabby Productions. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Sami Logic, and uh, I'm very excited to have her today because she was referred by a very good friend of mine, and I've already talked to her, and she's kind of fantastic. So how are you today, Sami? I'm great. Thanks, Kara. How are you? I am good. Sami and I are going to talk today about becoming whole again and realizing that when we make ourselves whole through external means or we, we convince ourselves that we're whole through external means, that that can be taken away from us. And, and where do we build when that disappears, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, most definitely. So you want to tell us a little bit about how this journey sort of started for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, one, I love how your podcast is all about happiness and how to be happy because those were some things that I had to redefine in my life, especially being almost 30 now. And um, I was telling you earlier, like happiness gets misconstrued in so many ways because with the media and with our upbringing and our environment, we just don't know what it truly means to be happy. So we're looking at external things like materialistic items to make us happy, a certain uh, social status to make us happy, or even a relationship to make us happy. So um, I'd like to start it off with, first and foremost, being able to redefine what happiness means to me, what success means to me, and what commitment means to me. And what that all means to me now, happiness is to be able to be myself fully and show up to the world fully and authentically as as I am and who I am. Um, success to me means how many lives can I impact every single day and how many people can I help? And commitment to me is being committed committed to excellence and following through. So all those things, ah, because I'm older now and wiser, (laughs) there's just so much more to life than like going for the next shiny object or like, you know, the next whatever, right? So um, I really had to like narrow it down to what is it, what makes me happy? Like what brings my soul alive and, and what drives me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that that all makes sense to me. And, and to me, they're ever changing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, for me, <clears throat> sorry, for me, success, uh, success is, it's I've had, I've had a lot of success in, um, in, I, I really redefine it as just showing up to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I find that I have a lot I find a lot of of uh, contentedness when when I try to define it as just being there and doing my best and and not paying attention to outcomes as as a measure at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't really get to control what outcome, like whatever. Anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> how it is? Um, it's okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's um, really reconnecting with who you are and uh, reconnecting with intuition. And I know you're on an uh, intuitive journey too, but it is. It's it's mind, body, and spirit, like the whole triple connection in order for us to really um, live a really full life and so, experience the fullness of it all. Can you... Um, can you tell me a little bit about 
your life before you started having these these major shifts and and what did that look like for you to be living unintuitively and to be you know caught up in all of that stuff what did that what did that look like for Sami yeah, that's a, that's a handful. <laughs> so I will keep it in notepad form. Um, if people who had met me back then would have thought today, they would have thought I was such a fake person because back then I was miserable. Like I am not a radiant, happy little being. Like 15 years ago, I was super depressed, super anxious. I dealt. I was on a lot of medication, um, dealt with obesity and just... Everything was total shit. Are we allowed to swear in this podcast? Yeah, yeah, you can say whatever the <laughs> okay, fuck you cool. want. <laughs> Everything <laughs> was fucking shit for me. Like, I just to make a long story, life story short, um, when. Uh, so we came from a third world country. I was sponsored from a Christian church on the island in Nanaimo, um, and I was sponsored from Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I grew up in Nanaimo. That's very <laughs> so, cool. I didn't know that. For anyone yeah. who doesn't know, I live very close to Nanaimo. So she saw me get excited when she said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So um, this church sponsored us. And I, I always say to people, I'm like, wow, like I'm so blessed because if I wasn't sponsored, I would probably be making Nike shoes or sold into like the sex industry and just never know. And um at that point, the doctor wanted to purchase me from my mom because she had two other boys and she was a widow and she had didn't have a husband, no money, no zero dollars. And he was like, okay, I want to buy your daughter. She's so cute. Can I buy her for 2000 baht, which is like $87 Canadian converted. And my mom's like, I have to sleep on it. Like she spent a couple weeks thinking about it. So right from the get go, that energy transmuted into me as a baby in the womb that I was not loved. I was unlovable. I was unworthy. You know, I felt neglected right from the get go. And energetically, um, that's what gets infused into you as a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always had this, um, yearning to like be loved and I just couldn't find it from I couldn't find it from my mother I couldn't find it from my um, environment I just my siblings right and I just felt like um, a lot of uh, I was just not worthy of it and undeserving of it so as I grew up like my childhood years I was ripped off from being a child at a really young age, like I, I was put into an adult role really fast because um, my mom didn't speak English. So okay. <laughs> right when I knew how to speak English, she was like, hey, you're going to start doing this and you're, you know, you're going to fill out the paperwork for this because I, it was a lot. It was a lot at like that seven like a years. a lot of responsibility. Yeah, at such a young age. And then going to school, being the foreign kid, you know, elementary school, I was bullied and I I didn't speak English till I was grade five. Um, So you can imagine like my journey to becoming happy. I didn't know what that was. Like I was Mm -hmm. always miserable and I was always um, lacking something. Right. So as you know, as you get beat up so many years and days and all the time, it feels like all the time that you're just kind of being shit on all the time. So um, what was happening for me as I became a teenager, uh, I rebelled. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> fuck this, like, no more, like no more people like just shitting on me all day, like no more of getting bullied, no more of this. I, I got into middle school, I became the bully. Like, I'm like, yeah, you five take back your power. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get like, ratchet about it and you just don't give a shit about other people's feelings and that was me for a very long time I was really um I was really conceited I was really selfish um I didn't care about people's feelings and 
uh, I got to a place where like I was knocking other people down that um, <laughs> like I just it was something I regretted. Like, you know how they say you should never live a life filled with regrets? I totally regretted it. I had to actually, um, after my awakening, which was at 15 years old, when somebody gave me a book called Awakening to Life, this was where my spiritual path had had started. Um, and my connection for God um, was, I was like desiring that, like a, a higher power. Um, because I gave up. I was like, you know what, man? Fuck this life. Like, I'm done with it. I've tried to commit suicide so many times. Like, I don't want to make this a dark podcast. It's but this really is fine. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is my upbringing. Because if you look at me now, like, I'm one of the happiest people that you could ever meet. And I'm so positive. But it, it wasn't an overnight success. Like, from 15 years old for that awakening when somebody had given me, my one of my best friends, dad, actually, um, yeah, he was like, you need to read this book and you need to read it twice because you're not going to understand it the first time. And they always say like when a book comes as a gift, it's going to change your life. Right? I never even read books, but it was called Awakening to Life, Vernon Howard. And I read it and I was just like, oh my goodness, what? Like awareness? What the heck's awareness, so, right? Could you give us a quick synopsis because I've never read that book um, of what the ideas behind the book are? It was about being mindful of everything, okay. like from like movement to like what you're thinking, awareness of thoughts, right? Okay, I was yeah. never so like introduction to mindfulness practice. Though. Yeah, okay. Okay. totally, totally, yeah. <laughs> and at 15, you're like, what? Like, this is so much. But I was just um, like, I was just like enthralled in the book. I just wanted to read more of it. And I started seeing every day differently. So I had my... my um, my breaking point and that was when I tried to attempt to like take my life a few times and when I didn't wasn't successful at it I was really hard on myself I was like oh my gosh you fail at everything blah 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 but you know I'm like laughing because I relate to that I remember <laughs> feeling that exact feeling is like you can't even fucking kill yourself right like <laughs> uh, it's, it's so not sad. funny but it's just like the brain is so like it's funny that like it's the funny ego. in its own way. Yeah, the ego is like, you know, really... Sorry. I wasn't laughing at you there, I promise. Oh, no, Just... girl, I get it. I get it. I know so many people have been there too, right? They're like, what? Killing yourself should be the easiest thing, but it's it's not. And you know what? God has a plan for you. If you're not meant to be off this planet, you're not going to be off it. You've obviously got a mission and a purpose to fulfill. And that was my awakening when I was just done and I was like you know what fuck this and then I woke up the next day alive and I was like what no no I can't I can't handle this human experience please god why like why did you keep me here and I just remember being like okay fuck I've been negative for so long what is it gonna feel like if I was actually positive you know and they say you should fake it till you make it I did that for years and I just slowly changed my mindset and my thinking and primed my brain and I started listening to like motivational speeches inspiring things every day for hours hours a day until I could re rewire my brain and that was for years so who I am today if people talk to me in high school they'd be like shit like I think she's so fake now because she's so happy like no one can be that positive but it's like no dude that was 15 years of priming my brain every single day it was every like every day of work that I had to consciously put that effort into changing. So um, happiness for me has been (laughs) a long journey, not an overnight success, that's for sure. Well, and I think, so you touched on a couple things that I think are really cool and I'd like to expand on with you. Um, So the first, the first thing is, you know, you've said a couple of times that you think that people probably think you're fake. 
I think that that's, maybe it's accurate for some people, but it's probably not as accurate as it feels. Um, I feel that way too sometimes is where like people probably think that I'm so fake because as you probably figured out, I am also you know, ridiculously chipper. And, um, you know, like I, I wouldn't say that I'm super, well, people perceive me as being super about positivity, but I'm actually more about neutrality, but that's a whole other thing. My point was, I actually think that probably people are seeing you as more genuine than you think. Mm-hmm. People recognize authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing that you said that I just loved is about how it's a process. So when mm-hmm. people ask me similar questions about my journey, I always get tripped up because it's like, well, technically it probably started when I got clean. Um, but like <laughs> there was a good at least half a decade after that, more than half a decade, but we're going to go with half a decade um, after that, where you didn't even really start to see those results in a tangible way or like the big stuff was gone, but all the little little yeah. things and the intrusive thoughts and the the rumination and the just poorly managing my emotions, those stuck around for a lot longer because they're deeper ingrained and everything right. like that. So it's like you read this book and you, it's like, it, for your example, what I'm thinking, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you read this book and it's like you suddenly realize there's potential there, but it takes years and years and years to even come close to being someone who could present that book to someone in a way that would be understood. Like, you know, to to thoroughly understand and chew on those thoughts and process them and stuff. Um, So I think that that's really important to note is just how it, my mom always used to say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right. And, and it's, it's really like that. It's like, you can't, well, you can, you can expect whatever the fuck you want, but it's, it's, it's probably not wise to expect to be able to change overnight. But Mm -hmm. once you start changing the thousand little things, the thousand little factors, eventually those add up to big changes in the way Mm -hmm. that we interact with our day-to-day life. So speaking of this, my next question is, I know that between 15 and now, you had more challenging experiences that thrust you forward as well because of the pain and everything that that brought. So you want to talk a little bit about your later teenage years and, and some of the experiences you had there? Oh, yeah, totally. Then the relationships come in, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then that fucks you up because you, um, you don't know who you are. And then you're, um, for instance, like, I never dated in high school. So I was, uh, I don't know, I guess people would think you're such a prude, but I just did. I didn't, I wasn't down with that. I was just like, so um, consumed with my own stuff that I wasn't interested in meeting anybody or having a relationships until after high school. So I had my first partner. He was the love of my life at that time, like first love, you know, mm-hmm. first everything. And um, yeah, I just, you know, had the picture that is sold to us of like I'm gonna have a wedding and kids and they're gonna be like little half mixed babies amazing (laughs) Uh, live this happy little lifestyle right but um I did you learn so much about yourself when you're in a relationship like what happens in a relationship is your partner that you love so much gives you the permission to be yourself fully and they mirror back and sh- like they shine light in areas of your darkness that you don't want to look at. And you're like, why am I triggered by this guy doing this to me? You know, like this is so out of character for me. Why am I triggered doing this? Right. So our partners are just, a- everyone's just a mirror to us. 
at the I end of the day. Couldn't agree more. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I just couldn't agree more yeah. with what you're saying. I was like, I hope she says mirror. I hope she says mirror. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I just I couldn't agree more. Any partner we have um, is a mirror, and it's it's such a tendency that we have um, to go like to not recognize it as a mirror and recognize it as problematic behavior. Like, you know, like you said, like, why is this so triggering to me? I think that's the right question to ask. You know, like, yes, maybe they should should or shouldn't, shouldn't, is, should is such a shitty word. I hate the word should, but maybe they shouldn't or should be behaving a certain way, but we can't do anything about that. So what we really need to look at is, okay, why is it affecting me as much as it is? Sorry, I got really excited there. Right. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the more um, relationships I've had, the more I started to learn a lot about myself. And um, just to really not dive into all of my relationships, but what I learned from all of my long-term relationships, like I've had three partners, long-term, um, I had a ex-fiance and not anymore, right? And I'm almost 30. So like, that, you know, trips you up too. Cause you're like, Whoa, I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with this guy this time, <laughs> but it didn't happen that way. So after all those three relationships, I had to ask myself, like, who am I attracting and why am I attracting these guys? Like, why is there a pattern? Why is it the same type of guys? Like, what is it in me that I need to look at? And I'm the type of person who I spend a lot of time uh, in self-isolation. Like I I'm, an introvert. I'm more of an introvert, but I'm extroverted for business. Um, but I, I really like my alone time to really like process my feelings, take a look at it, journal. And after this last relationship, oh man, it shattered me. It shattered me that I was like, why one, do I keep attracting um, boys, boys, not men, okay, boys, <laughs> with mother issues? Why? Why do I keep attracting boys with mother issues? Why do I keep attracting boys that neglect me? Why do I keep attracting guys that make me feel less than, right? So I was like, where is that coming from? <laughs> like, why do I do that? And where am I, why am I trying to find love within them? Like, where is it that needs to be filled within myself? So when we dive back into my past, the upbringing, my, you know, being in the womb and stuff and my mom trying to sell me, there's a neglect piece. So I literally had to go so far back into the the very first memory of pain that was surrounded by neglect and look at that memory and, and dissect it and say, that's the root cause. I, I attract these men because when I was a baby, my dad left me. So I never had a father figure. When I was a baby, my mom tried to sell me. So I never knew what love was. So the partners I'm getting is just reflecting that all back to me. So now with awareness, like how do I bring that love within myself again? So that's what relationships do. They just mirror back and shine light on dark areas that you got to take a look at. Well, and yeah, like, I mean, so I have goosebumps. This seems to be a common theme nowadays when I interview people, like people talk about these intense things and I just get covered in goosebumps. Um, and it tells me that like, yeah, I resonate with what you're saying so much. So I have a long and storied relationship history myself and I am in a similar place where it's, you know, seeing, oh, I have all of these issues that I have to work out. And, and the number one thing that I think that I am learning simultaneously, like to you, is, is that we really need to figure out how to fill our own wells um, before we can start sharing you know, and, and I don't think that that means that you can't love if you don't love yourself. I've, I've never liked that phrasing. It's just that I don't think that we can love as well. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can't have that healthy relationship without that solid foundation of, of ourselves. And I just love what you were saying about, about filling, filling those needs for ourselves first. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, um, I just want to bring this topic up because uh, it is so common in relationships with women. Um, but with social media nowadays, it's really easy for um, people, men in general, <laughs> to like want the next best thing, right? And because the porn industry is like crazy wild with so many eyeballs on it, so I feel like so much men have like porn addiction okay I for some reason I have never met a guy who's like you know no like I, I don't watch porn right so I just wanted to bring this topic up because um it's near and dear to my heart because it's something that I struggled with in my previous relationships was all my partners had a porn addiction and you know what that that does to the psyche right they don't see you as a woman they don't see you the same way they don't value you the same way um and then they're googly-eyed so like as a woman to like not be able to fill that expectation of what a man has been watching looking at um that shattered me like i was just like oh my goodness i know i'm loyal to the bone and mm-hmm. all I saw was my partner. Like I was loyal and this this is a person I want to spend my whole life with, never saw any, not distracted with anything else. But they weren't able to give and fill in my love tank because they were always watching other things that were like catching their attention and stuff, right? So um, why I bring that topic up is because like us women and men in general too, we deal with this on a society level where this is, like so there's so much exposure to sex and it's being sold everywhere i just feel like um we really have to protect our eyeballs what we see and consume because that actually rewires our brain long term when we're we're looking at that stuff for for a, a while so um like with what happened with my partner 2 years into the relationship checked out on me right and i and i thought he was cheating on me so i was like what's going on here? Like, why aren't you attracted to me anymore? Why aren't you doing this anymore? Um, so two years you're left in limbo thinking somebody's cheating on you when really they just have a porn addiction and that's not being brought to light. But that porn addiction stemmed from, um, his own neglect from his mother, right. And filling the void as he was growing up of, um, like a quick release of just like masking his true feelings, right. He just Mm -hmm. wanted something quick. So, I look at my relationship and I'm like, wow, like all of these things are interconnected and we're just blessed to be the chosen ones to experience the experience because on a deeper level, it's a lesson for ourselves, right? So um, with all my relationship, they all had that problem. I had to remove myself because my heart shattered into a million pieces. And I was like, how do I pick up all these pieces of my broken little heart right now and put them back together again because I shared half my world with this person, half my identities with this person. I'm like, who am I without them? What, ha- like, what if they leave? Like, who am I without this guy? So two years. It took me two years to mend from that. Like, um, men doesn't men don't know the extent that um, it plays on a woman's insecurity, right? Like, you never feel good enough. You are so insecure about yourself, and that's why women try to you know, fix themselves all the time with the plastic surgery and the lip fillers and stuff when 
truly we're just we're beautiful as we are like in our inner being and like perfectly imperfect as human beings but um yeah we're so disconnected from that because if we attach our identities to our partners that can happen so this whole journey to total fullness damn girl <laughs> yeah like you just touched on so many different topics all in like in like such a short span um <laughs> So yeah, I, I agree the um the expectations and reality versus, you know, um fabrications can be very, very damaging. I agree with the objectification issues. Um uh I mean, oh, there's there's a lot of issues that go into porn that we, we could literally spend hours talking just about porn as a subject. Um but one of the things that you really, really said about or that that you said that really, really struck me um was about half your identity. And, and identifying, and, and I think that that's a very natural thing to do. Like, you know, like who, who am I? I am, you know, I'm five foot three and I'm this and I'm that, and I'm half of this couple. And I think that it's, it's such a difficult thing to, to know what the appropriate thing is, you know, attachment versus connection, dependency versus codependency versus interdependency versus independence and and all of those things so so you said it took you two years to mend and or rectify those feelings within you so what did that process look like when you realized that you were stepping away from this relationship and there's half your identity gone how did you recover that and how do you kind of expect to be able to retain your individual identity the next time that you enter into a relationship wow (laughs) well well two things i learned from all of these relationships is um i stayed way past the expiration date you know like that two three year mark when you knew you just you when you know you know but i didn't uh leave because i was like no this person has so much potential Mm -hmm. that was the other thing i banked on potential so i stayed past the expiration date and i banked on potential thinking that this person will step into their best selves with my with my help and support um so removing myself from that like after that experience happened like we went to counseling and stuff but the healing for him was so intense and he didn't want to look at it. So he just shut it off. He just shut it off and was like, nope, Very I don't look at emotions. Yeah, I don't look at emotions. I'm good. I'm going to keep plugging away every day as, it w- if, as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> then there's me being like, oh my goodness, like you made me feel like total crap about myself. I'm so insecure. I don't know where my self-worth is anymore. How, where do I start? What do I do? Like, what the heck? Like, I need to learn how to love myself out, instead of finding approval from other people, especially somebody who I was going to call like my everything, right? So um, it started with my health. I had to take care of my health. I knew that I wasn't healthy at that time. I was eating like total crap. wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't in a good headspace. When um, I just said, you know what? Every single day I woke up with the mantra of what's one thing that I can do that's loving for me today? And that's it. One thing, oh, I love just that. one thing. That's it. Cause it was hard to love myself because I was still broken hearted at the fact that like my partner was choosing something digital over me, right? Or something mm-hmm. um, else over me. And I was like, oh my goodness, that just takes such a toll on your insecurities. So every day I'd, I'd find something loving to do for myself. And it got to a point where I was actually getting so out of my comfort zone that I was taking myself out on dates. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to a movie by myself. Oh, I'm taking I love myself that. Out yeah. Yeah. So my journey ended up becoming like falling 
deeply and madly in love with myself. That's why it took two years. It took a while, but it was like every single day I'm like, you know what? This guy's not giving me the love. He's not filling back my love tank. So how do I fill it back up? Like if I was my own partner, what do I do? And I was like, I'm going to buy myself chocolate. I bought myself flowers, like man, ridiculous shit, right? And I'm like, I, damn. I, okay, I don't think any of that's ridiculous. Just just throwing that out there. And I, uh, I have a question um, about your experiences and just to see if they line up with mine. I found one of the most efficient ways for me to love myself when I was struggling, um, and, and I've been on this journey as well, um, was to do nice things for other people. And I get the feeling that you do that too. I don't know for sure because we don't know each other well, but I just get that feeling because um, that goes a really, really long way. Like the high that comes from helping other people, um, whether it's you give someone 20 bucks or you, you, know, you buy someone a meal or even if you buy the coffee and the person behind you or for the person behind you, not in them, um, for the person behind you, that kind of thing. Um, so did you find that like those kinds of experiences played into your, your journey as well? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I didn't want to stay in victim mentality. So like my thing that I do is uh, when I'm starting to feel like that and I'm down on myself, I call somebody like somebody I've never kept in touch with for a while. Like if it's been a while, I'll call and catch up and be like, hey, how's it going? What's new? Because if I can take the time to be present for somebody else while I'm going through my own shit, it makes me feel better that like, I can help somebody else through their stuff, right? And also um, not feel so selfish in the sense of like, oh, woe is me, right? Like, life is so bad when no, other people have it way worse. Sometimes they just need someone to be present for them in that time too. And the other nice thing about doing specifically what you were saying is that like our brains are funny, funny little machines and and words don't mean that much to them a lot of the time. Affirmations, like, I mean, they're helpful, don't get me wrong, but they don't mean as much as proving something to your brain. So when you pick up a phone and you call someone and you help someone, you're proving to your brain that you have value. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying, see, it matters that I'm here. It matters to this person. And and that can go a really long way. So I, I know I'm just like sidetracking us like crazy, but oh, it's just so interesting. No, it's perfect. Um, it's perfect. <laughs> it goes with the whole concept and theme of becoming whole again and finding happiness. So it's a journey. It really is. And, and I mean, I... I've been, I've been, so I'm, I'm single right now, but I've been struggling a lot with the, <sighs> trying to see the balance for the next time that I'm in a relationship and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that, that I've landed on um, as far as like, I don't know if rules is the right word, but parameters and, and things that I, I need. But one of the things, like I, I said a little bit earlier is that I've been really struggling with is, is figuring out attachment and healthy attachment and and like you talked about such a huge factor in relationships as a whole whether you're talking about romantic or otherwise is potential um if okay this is a bold statement and i'm sorry if i offend you or anybody else but if you only love a person for the potential and not for who they are then you don't really love them you love a figment Mm -hmm. of your imagination Mm -hmm. um, that does not exist in reality and may never exist Mm -hmm. so if you are looking at whether or not to sustain, maintain a relationship, again, regardless of the dynamic of that relationship, whether it's familial or platonic or whatever, if you're looking at whether or not to sustain it, throw all of that shit out because it's all projections and we have no control over over whether someone changes and even if they change, how that change actually occurs. Because Mm -hmm. while some people grow, other people devolve. It's just Mm -hmm. how it works. So, Mm -hmm. So 
when you're looking at, should I maintain this relationship? The question needs to be, can I love this person as they are and not as I think they should be? Mm, and it's so thing. huge. Wow, that is powerful. Where were you when I was like going through this shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have a friend that's always talking to me about like, well, if he just does, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> mm. nope, nope, nope. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like it. And and the other thing I think too is to step back from our pride and our principles about what something should be too. Is you know when mm-hmm. we are looking at can I handle it? It's not should I be a or should I have to handle this? Like that's all nonsense because like you said, it's complicated. You know, the mm-hmm. porn addiction with, with your ex, that had nothing to do with you. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with anything besides his journey and the coping mechanisms that he built right. along the way to protect himself that ended him up yeah. in this space, right? And, and every person that's doing something that hurts us, it's not a fucking morality contest, people. I don't know why I'm, I'm getting so soapboxy. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> it's not a morality contest. Like, it, it's not a question of morality. It's this person's trauma affected them this way. This person's trauma affected them that way. And we're all just trying to share the space and decide. So, you know, like I said, do you love the person as they are? Can you? It doesn't make you a bad person if you can't, but it does make you a bad person if you keep trying and hurt them over and over again, hurt yourself. Not a bad person. It doesn't really make you a bad person. It may, <laughs> I take that back, but it does It does make it a bad, it's a bad decision. It's a harmful decision to mm-hmm. keep projecting our expectations on people that, that don't reflect who they are. We're not really seeing them for who they are. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting them. Like it's better to step back and be honest with ourselves and with other people about what we can handle. I think Whew, I just got so. Oh, girl, this is now a relationship one-on-one podcast. <laughs> From two single girls. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's been through some shit? <laughs> but you know, I love that you brought up the trauma because my relationship. <laughs> I wish it ended like very nicely, but it didn't. It didn't. Like five years with somebody, and you're like oh my goodness, you could behave in that way in a matter of a day. Like, so he just turned upside down on me. Right. And, um, I remember leaving and being like, I I just, we didn't talk for two days. And he came in the house and was like, I know why I did what, what, what I did. I'm like, yeah, I know why you did that too. And he's like, yeah, I wanted to hurt you. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I just don't get how you can be so happy still. Like you're the one that broke up with me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, like, this is not an overnight decision. Like this was something I was like thinking about for months and months and months because I knew that if I made this decision, it was going to change the course of my like my damn life. Like you're somebody I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And then you behave in this way. And I remember being so angry and like, listen, on a human being level, like think of me, don't think of me as your future wife or was going to be your wife or somebody you spent five years with on a human being fucking level. You disrespected me. You were this, you were this, you were this. And I was like, like, just look at me as a human being. Like, you wouldn't do that to another human being, right? And I'm like, just looking at your character and the times at your worst, I'm like, now I see your true colors. But I'm like, also, I just want to acknowledge, though, thank you for showing me your deep-rooted trauma because I triggered something in you that you never deal, dealt with way in the past. Because this was so out of character that I knew from like a higher perspective. And it took a lot of strength for me to say that and like, be like, I, f- I forgive you. Like, I forgive you still. Like, thank you so much for showing me 
a past experience that you never looked at and it was so deeply rooted that I could hold the space for you to to actually see it and be aware of it. I'm like, but you know what? That vicious cycle of abuse ends now, right? I'm like, I'm not going to react in the same way as maybe your mom did or your dad did or anyone in your upbringing. I'm like, that vicious cycle of abuse and trauma ends with me today. I'm like, I, I had to take the hit for it. I forgive you anyways. And that's how we left it. And I was like, my heart was so clean and clear, but it was hurt, 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 hurt. Um, and we never spoke after that. But I, I like left on the note of like from a higher perspective, like in this physical human form, we're all just mirrors for each other. And we have lessons, right? And sometimes we have soul contracts that we got to fulfill. And for that moment, I felt like God told me this is your soul contract that you have to fulfill for this person. It was so loud and clear to me that I was like, yeah, okay, I'm holding the space for this guy to be, you know, vulnerable, to attack me in the way that he needs to. Like, attack is like a, a harsh word, but... I understand you know what, what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for like, for him to express his vulnerability in the way that he needs to, even though it, it's hurting me. But I had to hold the space for him, and because that was the probably the start to his healing. Well, and, and that's one of the things that I've enjoyed talking with you. Like one of the reasons I've enjoyed talking with you so much. Um, so this is our second time talking, but I've enjoyed it. Um, is because, you know, you, you talk about um, fate and all this. Okay, I completely lost what I was going to say. Fuck. All good. All good. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got to tell you something funny. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So, so on my dating journey, okay. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember how to date, by the way. Like I never five knew. years out of it, six years now out of it. Um, I'm so awkward. So anyways, um, I did kind of try to like get to know people. And I just rem like, I had a lot of people that I admirers, right? And I'm like, whoa, this is like intense too much. Like I don't even know how to flirt with people right now. So um, I remember I had one guy really, really liked me. And then I'm like, no, it's just like, no, I'm not interested. It's not going to work. And he's like, you know what? You're never going to find somebody that would love, like, love you as much as I love you. Right. And I'm like, actually, because listen, my faith is so strong. And I know like, I'm not religious, but I do believe in Jesus Christ, but you guys can call it higher power God. But I just remember saying to him, and I don't know where it came from, but I'm like, he's like, you're not going to find somebody that loves me as much as I do. And I was like, no, actually, I did find somebody that loves oh me. God, did you and, say Jesus? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Jesus loves me for who I am wholeheartedly, unconditionally. He won't divorce me. He won't leave me, right? And I'm like, I'm like, man, my love goes to Jesus, right? <laughs> it was like, oh, like total ghosted me after, like had nothing to say. I'm like, Jesus is the Prince of Peace and God is love. <laughs> and I was like, because well, I believe it, right? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm just going to share that. Like, no one can shake up my energy right now because I'm so loved from the above. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know what you would call me religiously speaking um, or whatever, but that is like the funniest thing I've ever heard. I am going to say that next time a guy says something like Jesus that to me. Love you. Jesus does love you. But yeah, no, he was like, he he didn't he didn't talk to me after again. That's amazing. But That's an amazing. You want to ghost somebody in a nice way? Yeah, there there you go. Or um, a partner that says that you're never gonna find someone that loves me as much. No, Jesus loves. Um, me. Actually, Jesus loves me that much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, so I remember what I was what I was gonna say before though um, was the the blessing thing, is is one mm -hmm. of the things that I really appreciate about the conversations that we've had, is there's a big focus on, there's a lot of crap, you know. 
in our lives, every, most people's lives. Um, but all that crap is a blessing in its own right because it's a lesson, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like, and I always mm-hmm. used to say, if it's not a blessing, it's a lesson. And if it's a lesson, it's a blessing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I really appreciate that tone, you know, and you were talking earlier about, I don't want to make your podcast dark. My podcast is dark as hell, dude. Um, <laughs> there's like, I, there's been like, you know, suicide, suicide talk. Um, someone who lost a baby to SIDS, like they just, mm-hmm. all the darkest stuff. Um, because, because that's, that's such a huge part of happiness. You know, happiness yeah. isn't about pretending that there's no darkness. Happiness is learning yeah. to wade through that and come out at stronger. Right, or at least in mm-hmm. my in my worldview. Um, before mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I end, do you want to play a game? <laughs> okay. Well, if it's related to like any actors and shit, I'm so bad. It's not. Um, so this okay. is a new game that I have. I don't know if I'd say I made it up, but it's a new game. Uh, <laughs> and so all it is, <clears throat> all it is, is I'm gonna read slang from in this case Britain because it's the place I can think of. I'm so not cool enough. <laughs> cool enough um, and all you have to do is guess. And if you guess it wrong, like the beauty okay. thing is that there's no stakes, not even low stakes, okay. no stakes. <clears throat> yeah. um, and, and I have no idea if this will even be good because it's just a random list off the internet. So, um, okay. Backy. Oh, tobacco. It is. Yeah. The tobacco that you use to roll, roll your own cigarettes. It says fags, but that's, slang for yeah. cigarettes um yeah which i guess we already know um <laughs> uh chock-a-block chock-a-block is that like a meeting down the street bro no it's a place that is very busy a road oh, street or shop full to the rafters could be described this way damn chock-a-block that sounds mm-hmm. hardcore though a little bit gangster but okay um faff faff do i have a call a friend option oh my god the last person said the exact same thing what Uh, it's crazy what does it stand for faffing around is a very british pleasure it's taking unnecessary time over something that should be straightforward a brit likes nothing better than a good faff so like it's just like kind of uh dawdling i guess okay okay um something new uh Okay, a lot of these are words that we know, so I'm trying to skip over them. Um, oh, okay, you know what? Stick to the list here. Um, knees up. Knees up? Yeah. Is that like uh, like a congratulations, like a big up? It's like a proper British party full of warm beer and loud oh. music. What? Damn, I like my definition of it. Yeah. Okay, uh, pear shaped. Um, one of the most beautiful body types ever. Actually, I totally agree with that and had a conversation just today about that, but that's (laughs) that's not what it means in this case. But yeah, I got into a, I would say, a heated discussion, and I was like, um, okay, like he's my dad was like. It, it just looked funny because she had big hips and small feet. And I'm like, or it looked normal. And that's also one of the hottest body types to fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it means when something has gone, enti- not gone entirely to plan, so it got pear-shaped, like wonky. 
Like things went wow. pear-shaped. I wouldn't have expected that. So I'm going to pick sure one more that. at random. And okay. it's going to be uh, Squiffy. Squiffy. Um, <laughs> cool. Like another word for cool. No, it's like, uh, it's. it looks like it's tipsy on the way to being drunk. Not quite slosh, but only a few drinks away. Squiffy? What? <laughs> Why not just use Everybody in the club then? getting squiffy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. We should do a remake of that. That's awesome. So I've got an Australian lady coming on later, so I'm going to do Canadian slang for her. That's nice. my plan. Nice. I got a, got a plan for once. Um, nice. <laughs> thank you very much. Is there, uh, before we go... Um, can you tell mm-hmm. people how to find you, how to follow you, how to reach you if they have a design? Yeah, all my socials, um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Sami Logic, S-O-M-M-Y-L-O-G-I-C. All right. And those will be linked in the show notes, also known as description. Thank you. Um, and is there anything you want to add before uh, before we close out? Uh, everybody, you're just on a journey to really self-discovery and take it as a journey to falling madly and deeply in love with yourself. I love that. I love that. I agree. All right. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. I almost called you Sammy, but I know your name is Sammy. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us today. And to my listeners, love you. Bye. Bye.